Let us pray. Father, we thank you for bringing us together in your name. Sanctify us with thy word, O Lord, because your word is the truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We have passed the celebration of Christmas and uh, Epiphany. Now we are preparing ourselves for the Lent and Easter. This is the period in which we examine ourselves, who we are, and what exactly we are. In the Gospel of Luke, where we read, the Bible is trying to teach us something very important about the mission of Christ. The first thing that Jesus Christ did when he launched his ministry was to lay the foundation of his church. I have heard some people who say that um, the church started on the Pentecost day. No, the church was reinforced on the Pentecost day. But the, from the moment Jesus launched his ministry, he laid the foundation of his church by calling his disciples, those that he trained and hand over when he left. And uh, from this calling, we realized that it is not a calling that was done by academic qualification. It is not a calling that was done by tribe. Are you from tribe of Benjamin or the tribe of uh, uh, Levi or the tribe of Reuben? No. It was a calling that was done by the Spirit. In Israel at that time, we have almost one million people living there. Some of them are highly educated people. They have professors, teachers of the law, very educated class, the Sahendran. They have also rich businessmen, but he didn't consider that. The, the, the calling was actually by the spirit. It is the spirit calling. He selected these 12, and when he left, they took over. The calling that Jesus did, or the miracle that we saw, it's also an indication that whatever this calling means is not physical. It has a serious spiritual connotation. Because first Peter and John, they were fishing and caught nothing the whole night. And then when Jesus came into the boat, after he preached to the people, he asked them to cast the net in. And they did, reluctantly. 
and they caught so many fish that they have never caught before. It's not an indication that you say there were many fishes in the ocean that you might have seen. No. Because even with that many fishes, the Bible said they left everything and followed him. They left everything and followed him. It's not for material. And he said to them, now I will make you fishers of men. That is the spiritual connotation that whatever it is has more to do to the spirit and our spiritual life than it is to the physical. And this is the calling that has continued after Jesus have assembled his 12 and the other people who were following him, not only the 12, but the 12 were the, the real foundation. These are the people that when they died, they hand over to the church fathers. And this calling continued as it reaches us today by the same spirit. That same way Peter were called is the same way that you were called. So many of us were called by discipline. People like Saul when he is Paul, people like Paul when he was Saul, he was going to Damascus to deal with the Christians and he was caught on the way and he surrendered to Jesus. There were people who were called by sickness. There were people who, were, who couldn't be healed. People like the woman with issue of blood. The Bible said she squandered all her money going to the doctors. Until she met Jesus, she surrendered. People like Mary, the brother, the sister of Lazarus, and the sister of Martha. Jesus cast out seven demons out of Mary, and the entire family surrendered. And this is the calling, the calling that has continued to today. I want you to imagine here in Holland, about 17 million people living here. And the spirit is calling people, pointing out, you, 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 me, he said, yes, follow me. We, according to World Bank statistics, we have about 7 billion people living on earth. And Jesus is pointing out one by one as she calls Martha, as she calls Jan, and so many of us one by one. It is a special calling that everybody has a story to tell about how he met God. You cannot say that God doesn't know who you are. Our God doesn't understand what you're going through, especially now that the church is suffering. Because the motivation to worship God is not from us. The motivation to worship God is from heaven. Nobody can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Spirit. This is the calling that unites us. It is the calling that made somebody from America to see somebody from Africa and say, hello, brother. It is the calling that made somebody from Holland to see somebody from China 
and say, welcome sister. It is the calling that made somebody from Japan to see somebody from Africa and call him or her brother or sister. This is the calling that unites us because it is the calling that, is, that bounded us not by flesh, but in the spirit. And your calling is very unique in the same way that my calling is unique. In the same way that Ian's calling is unique. In the same way that Pamela's calling is unique. In the same way that this my brother's calling is unique. It is the calling that unites us. It has nothing to do with the way your face look. It has nothing to do with the color of your skin. We are spiritual beings and the spirit has no color of skin. Since then, the church has served only two purposes. This calling continued to this generation. It will continue to the next generation until Jesus comes back. And every generation has a role to play. We can call ourselves the generation of the coronavirus. Because in the next 20 years, it will become history. The people that will be born in the next 20 years will look at the television and the history and we saw empty streets that nobody is walking on. Then we saw people walking on masks. Then we see people doing all kinds of things, washing their hands, no more embracement and greeting. You can say that, and they will be wondering, how did they survive? How on earth can they cover their mouth the whole day? How did they breathe? This is the same question we are asking now about the generation that doesn't have mobile telephone. Our children will ask you, how do you tell your uncle in Hamburg that you are coming? No telephone, no mobile phone. You just walk in and not, that's how it works. You just walk in, we'll open the door, auntie, that's it. No asprak. And then we'll be wondering, is that real? Could people actually live like that? But it happened. It happened. So you can say we are the generation of coronavirus. That's okay. We will take that. It's not an insult. Because that's the way we see ourselves. Somebody, I went to church. I won't mention the name of the church. And after the service, somebody was asking me, how do you rate this church? I told him, no, no, no. This is not a time to rate church. This is no time to criticize church because every church is uh, struggling. Every church is in trouble. This is time to encourage church. This is not time to say, 
Mr. Bernard didn't do it well. Mr. Bernard is actually trying to do his best in the circumstance of coronavirus that he found himself. Look at our brothers and sisters joining by cable because they couldn't be here. Some of them may be sick. Some of them may just say, let me stay away for a while or have something doing. It's not laziness. It's the situation that we found ourselves. And the calling continues. After this generation, there will be next generation. Who knows what they will get into? My father bought me a, 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 a laptop for the first time when I was in school. And every time he comes, I will be in laptop chatting. I didn't know the word internet junkie. It was he who spoke it for me, to me for the, say, are you studying or have you become an internet junkie? I said, eh? Is there anything like internet junkie? He said, yes. Because the generation who learned the computer first became more addicted to it. This time is even worse because a child is walking on the street. He's not looking at where he's going. He's busy doing that. So you, the driver, should watch out. Some of them fall into pits. Yeah, because they have addicted. That is their life. And they didn't understand how we survived without it at all. But what I'm trying to say is that this calling, since the, Jesus left, or since the time of Jesus, this calling has not stopped to continue, no matter what any generation found themselves. And the church has served two purposes. The first purpose is as a congregation of worshipers, people who come together to worship God and to glorify his name. We come together to worship God, to glorify his name, to ask forgiveness for us, to pray for ourselves, and to pray for others. That's one definition. But on the other hand, the church has become a spiritual hospital. The church is not only where you come and praise God. The church, that's why the serious, that is where the seriousness of the church lies. The church is a spiritual hospital where we come to hear the word of God. And because the church is a hospital, the only medicine we get to feel better, to be cured of our sick weaknesses, is the word of God. That is the medicine. The power of miracle, as we pray, comes from the word of God. And let me be honest, it is unfair not to preach the real thing to the people. It is unfair to any church not to preach the true word of God to them. How will there be change then? Because no part of the Bible is preached in condemnation. No. Every part of the gospel is preached on reconciliation. The Bible is not dwelling on the sin of anybody. The Bible is dwell on reconciliation. So, 
when the true word is preached, it touches the life of people, and then the people can react to the word of God positively by trying to affect change. By trying to affect some changes in their life. And that is the process, we call it the process of sanctification. Somebody asked me in a Bible study, what is the meaning of born again? What does it mean when somebody says, I am a born again? You hear this more often from the Pentecostal churches. The Anglicans and the, and the Catholic are more silent about being born again in the way that the Pentecostal churches advertise it. But what does it mean? Does it mean that the Anglicans or the Catholics or the Methodists, these traditional churches, that they are not born again? No. The only thing is that the Pentecostal churches overemphasizes it, and most of them does not even understand what it means. Being born again is simply to adjust your way of life to always agree with the Holy Spirit. To adjust your way of life every day. In other words, if I'm going to a hotel to eat or drink, the first thing I will do when I'm dressing up is to ask myself, does this dress that I'm about to wear reflect the meaning of who I am? Or if I'm going to any house of party or disco or whatever, I looked at myself and I say, this house that I'm going in, does it actually reflect who I am? And the answer will always come to you. Because the only way to know the truth is to compare it with the word of God. Any truth that does not agree with the word of God is not truth at all. So you will get the answer. If I am going to talk to my brother Yang, I will first ask question myself, what I'm about to tell this man, does it reflect who I am? If the answer is no, I will find the right thing to tell him. And that is being born again. That you adjust your way of life every minute to always agree with the Holy Spirit. That's my definition. You see, so the church become a spiritual hospital for us. And as long as, as many as those that believe, they are the children of God. Doesn't matter, not people that are born of flesh, but born of the spirit. So the truth that Jesus established from day one of his ministry is the truth that unites me and you. Is the truth that makes us brother. Is the truth, if I'm going somewhere now and it's raining, maybe I am in the bus stop waiting for bus, 
and Yan is passing by and he see me there, he will stop. Hey, that's brother, brother Dan. But Yan is born here in Amersfoort, while Dan is born far away in a desert land. So where is the brotherhood? In the spirit. That's what makes us one. And that's what the kingdom of God is. And the, the same thing Jesus repeated when he answered Pilate. He said, my kingdom is not of this world. You see, why is this important? I will make this sermon short. I don't know if I have taken your time. Because we lecturers are very good in talking. Don't, don't be angry with me as a priest. If I stop talking, I will lose my job. <laughs> I will tell you a story why it is important to understand this. There was a man, he's a very good Christian, quote unquote. He's a very good Christian. But he doesn't actually live Christian life. He comes to the church, he does everything, he works very hard, but he doesn't actually privately live good Christian life. And this man, you know, usually men are closer to their daughters as women are closer to their sons. I don't know if it is true. But this man has a daughter that is very close to, the, to this man. And this daughter knew her father very well. And one day, the father died. The church buried this man, did everything. But this daughter is, was not convinced that the father is in heaven. So every time this girl will be praying about her father, God help my father, forgive my father, Give my father rest. Support my father. Every night before she goes to bed, she will pray for the man she's used to staying with, her father. And one day, after praying for a while, the spirit came to this lady in a dream. And he said to the lady, you have been disturbing heaven with prayer about your father. Today, I want to show you where your father is, and I want to answer your prayer. In that dream, he took this girl, this is real. In this dream, she took this girl in a place like a desert. There is no tree, nothing. What is only in the middle of the ground was a well, a, well, a dog well, round, covered with a black plate. A black thick plate. So he brought this girl there. The angel opened the well. And he said to the girl, look inside that pit. Look, it is the pit of hell. Look, you will see your father. Your father is in hell. But because of your prayer, we are going to give your father the chance to rescue himself. The angel didn't say, we are going to rescue your father. He said, we will give your father the chance to rescue himself. 
And then the angel threw a thick rope to the well and called the man by name, Thomas. If there is any Thomas here, forgive me, please. There is? <laughs> okay, I will use another name. I will use Sammy. Is anybody here called Sammy? No, very good. He called by the man by name Sammy. Hold this rope and climb out of this hell. You have, I give you 30 minutes to get yourself out of the hell. You can do it in five minutes. You can get out of this hell in five minutes, but I will give you 30 minutes. So the man looked up, he saw the angel, and he saw his daughter. Wow, imagine how he must have missed that daughter by dying so early because of cancer. He picked the rope and he started climbing, 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 coming up, coming up. The angels and the girl were looking. He was climbing up, coming, coming. He came halfway. He realized that the rope is now heavy. There were people in the same hell with him suffering. These people also found an opportunity to get out. So many people grabbed the rope and started climbing after this man, one by one. This man was climbing, many people were climbing after him to get out. The man looked back. He saw the people climbing after him, wanting to be saved also. He said to them, where do you people think you are going? This rope is for me. He went down a little bit and started kicking them out. Get down, all of you. Get down, all of you. Get down, all of you. He kicked them out of the rope. Get down. He kicked them all out. And he started coming again. Coming again. Coming, coming, coming. The only language that a hungry person hears is food. These people are suffering. They are all in hell. They got up from the ground where they fell and grabbed the rope again and started coming after this man, coming after him, coming. The man looked back and said, why are you people this stubborn? He went back even more and kicked them out. I get out, all of you, get down. He kicked them all out, pushed them on the shoulder, they fall. While he was doing this, kicking them out, while he's trying to get out alone, the 30 minutes was up. And the angel released the rope. Everybody fell back. He closed the well. And then he turned to the girl and he said to the girl, did you see that your father does not belong in heaven? Did you see what happened? Did you see now that your father does not belong in heaven? 
even in the midst of suffering, he could not help anybody. And in not helping anybody, he succeeded in not helping himself. Brothers and sisters, this is the calling that unites us. This calling makes us brothers and sisters. There is nobody that is sick here that wants to be sick. There is nobody that is poor here that wants to be poor. That is nobody that is arrogant here that deliberately, that is deliberately arrogant. This calling unites us and the church is a spiritual hospital. The church is a spiritual hospital. In trying to save this brother, you can also save yourself just by trying to serve somebody. There are three places you will find God if you want to worship God. The first place you will find God is in his word. In the beginning was the word and that word is God. The second place you will find God is in the Holy Communion. The blood and the flesh of the Lord. The first, the third place you will find God is in the poor. When you do this for this poor person, you have done it for me. And uh, you see, I will give you the biblical definition of poor. It's not lack of money. There are people who are so rich with money, but they are poor in health. Poverty is simply defined as lack. The same word prosperity in Greek is not uh, wealth. It's good health. So poverty, there are somebody that is very good. She, the person is beautiful, but he has a very, she has a very, very poor character. She's very poor. Her character is too poor. All she needs is the medicine. And while she's taking the medicine, she needs the endurance and the forgiveness of the church. It doesn't mean that the church will condone her arrogance. No. What about if you take your mother or grandmother to the hospital and the doctor said, you know, this medicine will cure her but it's always painful and the doctor did not administer the right medicine and your mother died, you will sue that doctor for negligence. And that's the way it is. Jesus, by calling the church, is making an appeal for us to go and turn the world. To go and turn the world. No matter how hard your husband is, you discover his weakness and try your best to change him. It costs you endurance. It costs you faith. No matter how bad your wife is, 
you try your best to affect her with your love, it will cost you some pain. No matter how stubborn your children are, you try your best to bring them up. You don't have to do your ho the homework of your children for them. You teach them how to do the homework. You don't have to get the paper. You first teach them. What did your teacher teach you? He didn't know. You start teaching at, at four plus eight. And then minus two from two, what did you get? If you cannot do it with your head, count it with your finger. Why are you teaching her that? Because if you do the homework for your child, on exam day, you will not be there to do it. You must teach him in such a way, or her in such a way, that she will do it herself when you are not there, that's teaching. Jesus was teaching the disciples so that when he's not there, they can live like him. And it is now the turn of me and you. I remember a child telling his mother that I will not go to school. The mother said, what is the problem? He said, yesterday, the teacher told us that three plus three is six. Okay. Last week, he told us that five plus one is six. Okay, and today again, he's telling us that four plus two is six. I am not going to school until she makes up her mind. She must make up her mind which one is six. Is that three plus three? Or is that four plus two? Or is that five plus one? Should we make up our mind? The, 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 the most beautiful place you will be is in the church. My mother made me to be a priest. It's her prayer that brought me this far. I remember when I was growing up, I go to church to please my mother. It's the God of my mother. On Sunday, I will go and play football. And then, at house, we each all of us have plate. We are five, we are five children. We, everybody has his own plate. When I come to, to take my plate, there will be no food in it. I said, Ma, where is my food? He said, No, my God gave me this food. You worship the God of football, go and get something from the God of football. Oh, is that how it works? You know, Anglican system. You will know if you are very good. Where you are born, even my entire, the missionaries that came to Nigeria in 1865, they, they rested in our village. So my entire village is Anglican. I went to uh, Sunday school. I went to uh, church, church, church school. I went to CMS. Everything I have done is from church. But I'm not going to give you the detail now. But what I'm trying to say, I started to formulate everything to make sure I eat. So I know. The time, church, church is started at 9.30. I know when the sermon will finish and when it is offering time. I know. So while we will be playing football, we'll be busy watching the time. But the moment we think it's almost getting to offering time, in Africa, you, people will start coming from the back, dancing and enjoying themselves, coming and put their offering. 
So the moment is almost time, we will rush. This is football field there. We will rush to the church. I have my offering money. And while the offering is going on, I will be dancing, coming to the altar. Not because I came to worship God, so that my mother can see me. My mother, I will be dancing, coming, trying to find out where she is and smile at her. Yeah, so that I can get food. So she realized what I was doing because kids think they're smart. When sometimes the parents keep quiet, they think they don't know what they're doing. My mother will give me half plate. What is this half plate for? Yeah, you played football half? How did you know that? Say, go, Daniel. But what I'm saying, let me not waste your time. Brothers and sisters, this is the call that unites us. Don't kick anybody. Get out. Get out. Your wife, get out. Your husband, get out. Your friend, get out. You may succeed in kicking out yourself. Let us pray. And I thank Ian actually for bringing me back. I didn't, I forgot that. <laughs> Let us pray. This is the Lord our God. Father, thank you for the opportunity you have, you have called us to yourself to worship and to glorify you and to get healing for our soul. May we be sanctified in the name of the Father, even those that are at home and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Before we go, please, Jan, I would like to pray for all the sick people in this church. I would like to say some prayer for everybody that is sick, no matter what the sickness is. So those that are at home, if we are sick, bring your spirit here and let us pray. Father, nobody has ever been with Jesus and remained the same. When the cripples saw him, they started walking. When the blind saw him, met with him, they, their eyes were open. Even from the Old Testament Bible, the healing of your spirit was evident. That Naaman, Elijah commanded Naaman to fall into the Jordan seven times, and he did, and he was healed. Father, for all that are sick in this church, we don't care where the sickness came from, whether it's from old age, whether it's from the current situation of coronavirus. The doctors have good time of giving names to sickness, but we command by the power of your Holy Spirit that every power of sickness in us may them cease now in Jesus' name. All powers of sickness, whether it is in the stomach, whether it is at the back pain, whether it is in the head, wherever it is, O oh Lord, may your spirit today bring healing to your people that we may know that you remain the same. When you called people, you were healing them. You went to the house of Lazarus and you called him up from the dead. And so many healing that you did Show us that you are the same Lord today by bringing healing to all of us. Let there be testimony that, yes, we received the healing. Be healed 
in Jesus' name. Amen.